We have to go back. Ha! You did not gonna say that, did you? That's what you always say. I do. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are going to take a look at a movie all about an action hero who breaks the fourth wall and makes self-referential jokes in honor of an action movie. Breaking the fourth wall, making self-referential jokes. That's right, we are reviewing the 1993 movie Last Action Hero in celebration of Deadpool 2. This time, it's Dead Ear. <laughs> and both movies have, well, I should say, Cable is a time traveler with a mechanical arm, and Arnold Schwarzenegger played a time uh, traveler with uh, a mechanical arm. So uh, they're basically the same movie. The uh, code name for Deadpool 2 was actually Last Action Hero. So that's a fun fact, Ricky. Thanks. <laughs> so, this has to be one of my favorite histories. Um, so, I'm very excited to share this with you. But on the off chance that you don't remember this movie, here's a, a very brief synopsis. So, in The Last Action Hero, Danny, through, you know, movie logic, gets handed a magic ticket, and and he gets transported into an early release of one of his favorite uh, film series, Jack Slater, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, and in this world, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays Jack Slater, but then he gets put into the movie world where Jack Slater is just a real guy. And all of the action and all the action movie cliches and things like that happen in world. And only Danny is aware that it is a movie. And then some of the villains get out into the real world and then it's fish out of water on a Schwarzenegger as Jack Slater is facing all of the you know, mishaps of not being inside of the action movie because action movie logic doesn't exist there. Yeah. Uh, the project started, like most great film ideas do, with Simpsons inspiration. <laughs> uh, two college students, Zach Penn and Adam Leff, uh, wanted to make a movie parodying the 1980s action movies after being inspired by The Simpsons. And after binge-watching loads of action movies... That's right. That's all you need to write a movie. Just watch a bunch of other ones. Whoa. <laughs> then <laughs> we're in good shape. <laughs> Uh, so they wrote a script and the original working title was extremely violent. Um, and they sent it to an up and coming agent, Chris Moore, who loved the idea and sent the script to various studios and the highest bidder was Columbia Pictures, who won the bid with $350,000. So the premise was so popular, they actually got Honor Schwarzenegger to be on the project, something they never thought would really happen. Here's where it starts to get weird. Honor Schwarzenegger loved the script. He thought it was one of the best scripts he had ever read. Except for this, he thought it was too violent. Well, it is pretty violent. It's like insanely violent. But we got the toned down version. He wanted oh the movie, <laughs> right? He wanted it to be toned down to reach a wider audience. Uh, and he also wanted it to be PG-13. Um, and because of the changes, the original writers for the script actually were kicked off of their own project. 
Oh, no. uh, so it went through multiple rewrites, uh, but finally it was complete. They began shooting in 1992 with a budget of $60 million, a ton of money at the time, and they set the release date for June 1993. This is important. They even got the action movie director John McTierman of Die Hard and Predator fame to be the director. The production faced a ton of snafus. Working 18 plus hour days, they weren't really sure whether they were making a kids movie or an action movie, and there were just a ton of mishaps happening on set. Filming continued until the week before the film debuted in what? theaters. Yeah. It was like a scary movie three situation. <laughs> Pretty much. The original ending did not test well, and then they said, reshoot this ending, and they... Uh. So, where he just slowly descends into lava. Yes, and then he gets yeah. a thumbs up. Uh, <laughs> they actually really tried to get the rights to just copy paste. <laughs> Didn't work. Um, now, Grayson, this movie had maybe one of the most interesting marketing I've ever seen in any movie release, and Deadpool is doing the same thing. Uh, check our Twitter to, if you want to see some of that amazing stuff. But check this out. The film had seven video games, $20 million Burger King promotion deal, a $36 million theme park ride, and NASA's first paid ad in space. Oh my. So they were planning on launching a rocket in space with the last action hero attached to it, but, you know, due to... NASA stuff. It didn't release until after the movie had oh, already hit come the theaters. On. They just added VHS to the end of the banner. <laughs> the movie, when it was released, it ended its run with fifty million dollars in the United States. So it was a flop. It did make more money um, overseas, uh, making its worldwide total to one hundred thirty-seven million dollars. But it still didn't do what they were expecting and it had to do with another movie that kind of i mean came out of nowhere um no one saw this movie coming as going to be a really big box office hit or anything it's just a little movie called jurassic park whoops that was released the weekend before last action hero which destroyed the movie in ticket and toy sales when it premiered it premiered number two behind jurassic park so Jurassic Park was in its second weekend and beat this out. Yes. Without a space ad? Without a space ad. That could have really tipped things in their favor. It really could have. It was released on Blu-ray in 2010, presenting the film in its original widescreen format for the first time in the United States since it was released on Laserdisc. Meaning the DVD that I watched had like the tv crops it had the um columns on the side uh. and they were doing awkward panning to fit information in uh to that little square um and it was amazing to me i'm just like what is happening and it was because when the dvd was released it wasn't even released in widescreen like I, th there are certain scenes where characters were just completely cut off like they, i couldn't see the characters that were supposed to be seen on scene that's rough. So that is the production behind Last Action Hero. That's really interesting. Yeah. Right? How, how do you compete with Jurassic Park? I mean, they're still making those. <laughs> 
Uh, you don't. But now we're going to go ahead and get into our reactions. So, Grayson, when was the first time that you watched The Last Action Hero? Uh, I mean, it was for this. I had never seen it before. And the, oh, really? Yeah. Had you seen it before? I only saw the ending, surprisingly. Uh, the, the whole flesh wound scene I saw when I was randomly channel flipping. So that's... The only thing that was or towards the end is like, we got him getting back to a place where this is just a flesh wound. And it's the first time I heard the term flesh wound. That's why I remember the last action hero. Oh, wow. I feel like that's the less famous of the movie flesh wound quotes. But that's interesting. Um, no, I when I was watching, I was like, I would have loved this movie as a kid. It would have been one of my favorites. The idea of establishing the rules of the movie universe. Uh, yeah, I. I just thought it was really well done. And and as far as character introductions go, walking on top of cars, smoking a cigar with that enormous belt buckle, with the lieutenant screaming his name, it has to be like one of the coolest entrances. And that's the thing, like his character is supposed to be cool and is actually pretty cool. Like yes. I would watch this series of movies. And Absolutely. I think it, it would be really easy for it to seem like kind of dumb and like, why is this kid a fan of this? Or like when you watch movies about stand up, a lot of times the stand up's not funny. Like this is actually a, a an action film that feels like it would be an action film in that world. So uh, that was really cool to see. I mean, I I had a lot of thoughts about this movie, and most of them were just me reacting as an audience member, not as any kind of like critic or comedian or anything like that. Like I genuinely was reacting to this movie as intended. Like I was very creeped out by the Ripper. I think he has to be one yeah. of the creepier movie villains that I've seen. Yeah. Um, but I do love this early '90s, uh, late '80s motif of there's a kid who likes a thing and should be at school or at home, but instead he goes to this dilapidated place and an old man gives him something magical, a la never-ending story, a la a page master. So I was like, this is a great tradition when normally it's books like the ones I just mentioned, but with this, it's movies, and there's a lot you can do with that. Um, I even like his daydreaming of like Shakespeare. His teacher's like, Shakespeare oh. was the first action hero. Yes. I was like, well, that's not the name of the movie. So <laughs> move on. But Action Hamlet, I'm like, how has that not been a thing? To be or not to be, not to be. <laughs> I just like who I, there's several times when I was watching this movie where I just said, I love this. I just. I'm here for it. Like, how over the top they took everything was perfect. Like, if you're going to go for it, go for it. Yeah. And they went for it. It felt very similar to, like, Tropic Thunder, where it's a movie about movies. Yeah. And they have all the, the fake movies in there. And I think they actually went ahead and, like, made one of them or something like that. Like, Action Hamlet with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger would be that movie to be made. That's the one that becomes like a weird cult classic because yeah. like, oh, I, did you see the movie of Arnold Schwarzenegger being Hamlet that was actually spun off from this other movie about a movie? I, that would play very well. Like if they made that today, like they would absolutely get, you know, all of my money. Yeah, yeah I love how uh, film obsessed, especially with um this kid in particular like he just loves this action hero and i actually thought 
that they were going to do a thing similar to T2 because this movie came out the year after Terminator 2. Mm. Uh, oh, it makes so, sense with the cameo. Right. And having, so, yeah, the Terminator cop in there. Yeah. And um, they just did... Uh, well, the thing I thought they were going to do is like, oh, well, he sees him more like a father figure. And I thought they were going to kind of play on that storyline. Nope. He just wants to be him. He just loves action movies so much. That's it. That's just it. But he the mom does see him as a husband figure. Yes, she does. She does indeed. Oh, and uh, I completely forgot. Uh, much like I feel like the movie did, um, one of the uh, people who were, was actually making their film debut was uh, Bridget Wilson, who played Jack Slater's daughter, uh, actually was making her film debut. And oh. we would see her later in Billy Madison as Veronica Vaughn. Yeah, I went the whole movie going, she looks so familiar, and wasn't until I looked it up. Yeah, Uh, and she probably had maybe one of my favorite moves, which was she kicked the guy. (laughs) She, like, I don't even know how they filmed it, but she kicked the guy in the crotch and then threw him over her head through another wall. Mm. One of the best moments in the movie and that's like the last we see of her i'm like no you guys bring her into the real world like show like i wanted her to go along for the rest of the ride uh she was great i just think that it would have been so fun to see her do more yeah there are so many people in this where you're like hey you're that person like even um the movie within the movie, like you got Whitney Houston playing the mayor, you got F. Murray Abraham as John Practice, even Noah Emmerich, who's in it for like half a second, just like appear. He plays the rookie at the very beginning and then disappears. Uh, is and then not to mention all the people that are just themselves in the real world. Yeah, I feel like they just filmed at another red carpet event. I didn't look up whether or not they actually did that, but that's what it felt like because they have so many people. MC Hammer? MC Hammer. Little Richard. Jim Belushi? You got the Uh, Belush? Chevy Chase and Damon Wayans just next to each other? The Great Reunion. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Like, and here's, and this was actually uncredited, but I didn't realize it until the second time they made the appearance. The cartoon cat was Danny DeVito. These guys can't stay away from each other. I I just I I just laughed so hard. I laughed so hard when they said, "That's a cartoon cat. That's a cartoon cat." And he said, "Of course, he was only on leave for two weeks." I'm like, "This this movie gets me. This movie gets my humor. I love it. This is perfect." Yeah, when I realized the cartoon cat was Danny DeVito and. You have other movies like Twins and Junior. Uh, they like consistently are working together. I never realized the missed opportunity of having the Penguin and Mr. Freeze in the same movie. How did we miss it? How did we miss it? It's not too late, Hollywood, because I know you're listening. Um, make yes. it happen. But like this movie, I think, is such a good movie and so ripe for a remake. And I will share that later. But when you don't make all the millions, they rarely give you an opportunity to not make more millions. So, um, but I would love to see this 
make a revival in some shape, way, or form because this movie was so much fun. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. There, there's so much to dig into with this movie. There's no way we can, can capture it just in this episode. But even that, it, it's. I thank you for making the connection on on Die Hard with the director. Because when it started, it was like an action movie at Christmas. And it's like, yeah, it's great. And uh, I, I was, okay, so there was a moment. There was a moment in this movie that just made my brain explode. I was, I had to like stand up when I was watching it. And we've talked about this. over lunch or something. Uh, we've talked about this in the past where it's like in movies, mm-hmm. how do they account for other people? How do they account for the actors that are in the movies in that world? Yes. Uh, like in the oceans movies, I think it's oceans 12. They have a bit that Julia Roberts looks like Julia Roberts. Like they established that they're there. And so it, th- this is the first movie to actually answer it. And like, do the rules that I can remember other than, than the oceans example, when they established that he was played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, I stood up, I looked around the room, I sat down and I made a note of it. I, 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 I just didn't know. I didn't know how to deal with it. I, um, I, I felt dizzy. That's what I did. I I felt physically uh, unsettled. (laughs) Uh, to be honest. And so they, they dig into that. And then not only do they establish that he's played by Arnold Schwarzenegger and that he meets Arnold Schwarzenegger and that it's an important plot point that there's two of them, but they answer the question if he doesn't know Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie universe, who accounts for all of his movies? Sylvester Stallone. That move, I, I, in that moment, I was like, they did it. They did it perfectly. <laughs> they did, and they applied logic to it. The, the whole 555 phone numbers, that scene in the video store. All great scenes happen in video stores. It's it's fact. They got it. I just, I want to see the supercut of like that scene and the scream scene. Ex- yep. Just explain movies to me surrounded by movies. That's, that's all I want. That's the show. That's the show. <sighs> Gosh. But yeah, the the oh so good and what, to do it one better. What they didn't just say, oh Sylvester Stallone is the Terminator. They made the cardboard cutout. Somebody has that cutout somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That exists. That's like whenever uh, sports teams like they they have the championship. Uh, like shirts made depending on what team wins the championship and then they like ship the other shirts out to Goodwill and things like that and that there are like some countries that have the wrong team winning having that cut out <laughs> is like the the film equivalent of having this alternate universe where yes. the other guy played this iconic character it's so great and it's not just the surface level jokes that i appreciate about this it's it's also there's depth to it there are two instances in this where i really felt that there was uh i'd say three there are three instances that had significant depth which is where um he is actually tortured at like emotionally being a fictional character uh it's kind of like uh will ferrell's stranger than fiction where yeah. like, he is basically 
waking up for the first time like as a character he realized it's like neo to be told that like your entire life is a lie like he's he's having to process this wrestling with am i actually uh like is my existence worthwhile if i'm just this character if i was written by somebody if i'm not actually who i thought i was um and seeing the the tortured element of it is really interesting the second instance that i think drives that first one home is uh when he says like i'm i'm glad you're entertained but this is my life like mm -hmm. the danny gets so caught up in like this is the movie and we're in the sequels and uh and it's just very like intellectual but and excited but like he's thinking through it as a movie and jack just kind of stops and being like I'm living my life here. Like I am not entertained by any of this. And that keeps it grounded, keeps his motivation real and keeps us from just writing him off as a disposable character. And, and the third one and the much darker one actually plays into Charles Dance's character of Game of Thrones fame, Benedict, who has the, the glass eye that is interchangeable. He, when he crosses over into the real world, he witnesses someone being murdered for their shoes, which is a, a thing that happens. And there's this moment where he kind of takes it in and he sees the uh, just the senseless killing here. And he, he ends up kind of testing out his own theories about like murder in the real world. But you almost get this sense that the, the worst villain in the movies is still taken aback and somewhat appalled and shocked at the violence in the real world that there's yeah. nothing we could put on screen that is worse than what we're actually dealing with as a society and as people but it has these moments where it really does if films are meant to kind of reflect society in some ways and it's kind of art imitating life and then life imitating art this movie walks that line and literally crosses over uh, back and forth between being kind of popcorn entertainment, but then real social commentary. And you know what film doesn't do that? Jurassic Park. So oh, you, those are fighting words. Oh, people really like that movie. Life finds a way, Ricky. <laughs> oh no, what have I done? Life finds a way. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to head on over to a quote corner. A choo-choo. I had more quotes for this quote corner than any other quote corner that we've ever quoted before. Yes. Uh, I had to rein it in a little bit. So I'm not going to read all of them that I wrote down. Uh, just a few of the choice moments and choice quotes that I, I pulled from this. First one off the top, and this is this one's in the trailer too. But like, this is the lieutenant governor. Punches lieutenant governor. <laughs> it's like, when the governor gets here call me which is so great now like yes. it's it's even yes. better now yes yes it is what a great way to just bring the future and entertainment together in one accidental stroke of genius i wrote this next quote down more so out of confusion than anything it took me a second to get it because it's not something that we say today maybe we never said it maybe this movie's the only one to say it but he says want to be a farmer kicks him in the crotch and then says there's a couple of acres <laughs> acres being the key word and i was like what tracks of land farmer okay and then it's like oh i see what he did 
aching, like pain. And couple oh. being like, he just kicked him in the crotch, like a couple of acres, like they are aching. I see. It took me a while. <laughs> what you can't see is this uh, giant uh, conspiracy theory wall that Grayson has pinned up in in his office. It's, it's uh... all connected. <laughs> uh, another great moment is when the uh, cops go to the like the crack house there and they go, "Doesn't look like a crack house." I'm like, what do you want? Sixty guys dancing on the lawn, throwing cocaine at each other. I was like, yeah, I kind of want to see that now. A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) And then immediately after that, when the house explodes, the palm tree cop just saying, two days to retirement. (laughs) It's beautiful. I I love that moment. I think uh, my quote corner for that scene would have been the card countdown. It's where he... (laughs) There's a How note. Did he know? I I wanted. I, I just loved. It didn't make any sense, but it was beautiful. Maybe Where he stopped <laughs> flipping through the cards. He said, "Hey Slater, five, flip four, flip three, flip two. It's a bomb run." <laughs> oh. It's so over the top. It's perfect. If you just stop flipping through the cards. Oh, man. Um, These quotes are more. This actually ties into what I was saying earlier about the emotional resonance moments. Like uh, when Danny says to Jack, I'll teach you to be vulnerable. You'll teach me to be brave. That's so great. It is a commentary on these kinds of movies. Like they teach each other stuff, but it's true. Like. That both characters are going to get something from this journey. I just thought that quote was worth quoting because it, it does capture the essence of what this is supposed to be. And then similarly, uh, when he tells him, believe it or not, Jack, you're the good guy. That's something Jack has never heard. And yeah. for Danny to be able to jump into this world and just gut punch him like that emotionally... Uh, that is uh, that was a really strong quote and one worth calling out. Um, followed by, can I speak to the drug dealer of the house, please? Yeah, <laughs> I have so many of these. I've already been going on way too long. I don't even know. Uh, oh, I'm going to do more of these emotional ones where he says, you're not just my hero. You're everybody's hero. And then on the other side, you know what that means, don't you? Leo DeFart is going to pass gas one more time. <laughs> I, it's such a roller coaster of intellect and emotion here. Yes. Um, and then probably two of the most chilling lines from this movie uh, is, if God was a villain, he'd be me. Which kind of feels like something George Costanza would say, like the phrasing <laughs> of it. God was a villain, he'd be me. Uh, but it, Charles Dance makes it work. Uh, and then finally, here in this world, the bad guys can win. Man. I'm telling you, there are lines like this. There's so many. I didn't even read all the ones that I wrote down, but there's so many great lines. And I, I've heard it said that a great movie is comprised of uh, a compilation of great scenes. These scenes are a compilation of great lines 
that Absolutely. are able to cut through like very surgically, like th- those kinds of lines of saying, like, you're not just my hero, you're everybody's hero. Like you, th- they, they carry more weight than the words themselves. And that's, I don't know, that's what I really love about this. And that's why this is a very special quote corner. Very nice. Hey, Grayson. Yeah, Ricky? Do you want to be a farmer? Uh, yeah. Yes, yes, aunt. Good. Because I have a a great head cannon for you. I don't get it. <laughs> it's very simple. Head cannon is a part of the show where we like to share unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. Oh, canon had two meanings. <laughs> Uh, so my biggest piece of headcanon is that this is just the biopic of Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, life. It just <laughs> only really makes sense. He came out of an action movie. That's why he's in so many action movies and why he's so great at it. I like that. This movie world is so bizarre. Um, and one of the things that I noticed was how Danny kind of had a certain haircut that reminded me of something else. And then... It all made sense. This movie world is where the room takes place. (laughs) And Danny in this world. So because you know how Danny like he like blues clues skadoos into the movie. Mm -hmm. The movie world's Danny is actually Denny from the room. (laughs) Headcanon. That's a real great headcanon. <laughs> did you yes. have more? I did. And this one might be the one that you have. The golden ticket, Grayson. Oh, yeah. The golden ticket that he said was given to Houdini. I forget the lineage, but it was like the greatest magician in India, and then the greatest magician somewhere else, and then to Houdini, then to him. Yeah. Um. You know, like back before they had movies. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my headcanon is that that golden ticket is actually the Willy Wonka golden ticket. Um, Another that... example of an older guy distracting a younger kid that should be in school with shenanigans. <laughs> yes. Shenanigans. Um... <laughs> I think it is one of Willy Wonka's golden tickets and that Willy Wonka actually was just magic. Hmm. And the world that he transported people to was one of pure imagination. Pure imagination. Come with me if you want to see a world of pure imagination. You know, we managed to review quite a few movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger and not use his accent Nearly as much as we have in this movie, in That's, this review. Yeah, it's called for. It's called yeah. for. Okay. <laughs> so I had like a couple of half cooked head cannons. Really, I tried to do a thing with like a Wizard of Oz tie-in because they make a comment of that, like go back to the land of Oz and I'm the Tin Man and all that. And I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Maybe I could do that. And I got as far as like Slater's the Tin Man. Danny is Dorothy, but maybe also the cowardly lion because he says he needs to be brave. And Nick is the wizard. Like, that's all I got. So I gave up on that. 
Um, then I was like, interesting. Nick, is Christmas movie. Maybe the owner of the theater is Santa. Like he's Saint Ooh. Nick. And that's why it's a magic ticket and he made up all the houdini stuff but it's called the santa claus um so <laughs> i was like okay that, that's interesting like maybe santa uh headcanon and then i was starting to think about danny's actual life he has a very dramatic life um like his mom is a widow, even though she's very flippant about it she just kind of like <laughs> makes a joke about his dad being dead i was like that felt inappropriate, and I just got here. Um, and she's got that going on. Uh, the the violent, the home invasion escalates very quickly. Uh, yeah, it kind of comes out of nowhere. nowhere. but And never gets caught because sometimes the bad guys win. Um, like, it happens very suddenly. Chains him to the bathroom saw style and throws the key down the drain saw style. Um but it's like, that's very dramatic. So I started to think like, oh, well, maybe Danny is in a drama and he is also in a movie and that there's like another layer to this where he, his world could be entered from another reality. That there's no one real uh, universe that they're just, it's like Halloween town where there's Halloween town and there's Christmas town is, but there's no like default. Um, like we are living in one reality of a movie danny's living in one jack slater's in one and you can just kind of hop around uh that way where like movies are almost like planets like you can just travel there so that was another thought but i actually would like to establish as like my headcanon for this episode is uh what they could have done with this uh and more so the headcanon around how the ticket works so they could bring jack slater to our world, and then there was Arnold Schwarzenegger, and there was Jack Slater, purely because Arnold Schwarzenegger played him in a movie, then that character was captured and able to be duplicated. So, hopefully that was clear. Probably wasn't. If not, go ahead and hit that 15-second back button and listen again. <laughs> um, basically, that when you're in a movie, it creates a version of you that can then be duplicated in our existence. So what I think they could have done what my head canon, about what they could have done and it's desperately sad, but what they could have done at the end of the movie is put on a home video of Danny's father and use the ticket to bring him back. Oh my gosh, Grayson. Yeah, I know. Wow. Wow. And all of this was just to bring Danny's uh, dad back. So when that reality set in, it wasn't as funny anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I caught all of these feelings I wasn't expecting. No, that's great. That's amazing. Well, because I was wondering, what would have happened if they did this to a documentary? Like, do you have two Ruth Bader Ginsburgs now? Like, just because she came out of the screen? Like... That's great. So, like, I didn't know what the rules were. I was like, well, if you could do that with a real person, go ahead and do that with your dad. And yeah. So, headcanon. In a city where recasts are happening all the time. 
and remakes are right around literally every corner. Oh, what's that? A remake of a thing? Oh, help! Oh, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't see you there. We are remaking The Last Action Hero. Starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Jack Slater. You're welcome. That's my dead on The Rock impression. That's a great way to do recast and remake. Just make it like a trip. I like that. We should keep that. I like it too. And or depending on if they're available, Liam Neeson. I have a particular set of skills and doing this accent isn't one of them. And also depending on if they're available or if they're too busy making another Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise. <laughs> it's running. It's just him running. I thought it was just uh, 90s action music. Very similar. <laughs> Yeah, very, very similar. That's my recast and remake for The Last Action Hero. That's great. See, on the remake side of things, I would love, absolutely love to see them do a a Netflix original series um, of The Last Action Hero about uh, either basically the kid teleporting in and out of genres. Basically, what I want is uh, Wreck-It Ralph. (laughs) basically but with uh Arnold Schwarzenegger still as the last action hero yeah. but they just go in and out of different uh movies and movie genres like oh no Jack Slater is actually in Shakespeare <laughs> and it's, it's literally just them remaking all these different movies but with Jack Slater in it that would be a lot of fun for my recast and remake uh I feel like I can't have the same gusto I would just be redoing your bit. Uh, Do it. So I'll just say the names. Um, I also had Dwayne The Rock Johnson, but I came with a backup. Came with a backup. So you you can have The Rock. Uh, I'm going to disney this. (laughs) Paper Johnson? (laughs) What a terrible name. (laughs) Uh, For Jack Slater, I would like to go Chris Hemsworth. He can play the humor. He can play the action. Uh, And I'm confused by my own recasting of Danny because naturally, you know, I think we both know it should be season one Luke from Modern Family. But I was trying to recast more in the um, it wasn't even in the time period. This was six years after Jake Lloyd. I want it to be Jake Lloyd because I really just want this to be a prequel for Jingle All the Way. Yep, uh, and that's what it needs to be. For Nick the Projectionist, I have the guy who played Professor Slughorn in Harry Potter. I just think he kind of looked like him. Very nice. All right, now it's time for the classic third act finale, and we're just trying to see if we can make this podcast end on a good note. It's time for Reasons to Recommend. So, Grayson... Why would you recommend The Last Action Hero? I would recommend Last Action Hero because it is a movie created by people who love movies. It is evident uh, through every scene of this that this is made by people who truly love film. Not just action films either. The presence of Seventh Seal whenever uh, Sir Ian McKellen appears as Death uh if you haven't seen seventh seal go out watch it today get it it is such a great classic film 
Um, I used to work at a, at a comedy theater where they would give me a list of movies I had to see. The very first one on that was Seven Seal, and they were absolutely right. It is an incredible film. And when was the last time you heard that referenced anywhere? Uh, this movie does it, and it does it for a purpose. And it's these people are historians of film. They honor the art form, and that is why this movie is so fun and then also able to turn on a dime and make it uh, have such an emotional impact as well and actually have dramatic moments. In addition to just loving the subject matter, you can also tell that they have thought through the rules of this world uh, and of this premise. And even to details of like, he doesn't know certain classical composers and classical music because how often do you hear symphonies played in action films? Like, it, unless it's the score, like, the, the uh, characters themselves aren't really, like, deep diving into classical music. And they just kind of pepper in details like that along the way. And then they have the, the more on-the-nose uh, call-outs of, like, 555. And that means you only have a certain number of phone numbers. And that's what area codes are for. And they're able to uh, both poke holes in it and justify it at the same time. And it's such a beautiful dance uh, that they do here. And if none of that appeals to you... There is crazy action in this movie. What other movie do you get a minivan flipping over a Coca-Cola transport truck? It's It's just fun. It's, it's a lot of fun. Has tongue-in-cheek comedy that breaks the fourth wall. Uh, and you really just get so much out of this movie. So if you haven't seen it, go out, see it. It's going to make you want to watch more movies. And any movie that can do that, I, I have to recommend. That's amazing. Well done Grayson yeah I I would recommend this movie for a lot of the same reasons but I this movie has kind of grown this reputation to just be like a quote-unquote bad movie but man I think when you have a premise like this like what what are the what is the logic in an action movie it's like yep you always have odd pairings of people done it's just like I, I just love how they solidified so many different things like that and i think that um those kinds of movies are just so much fun uh it's a fun movie fun premise and if you haven't seen it it's definitely worth a watch because it's it it hits that sweet spot of action movie genres where not everything is cg um, and where they're just really just blowing stuff up. They're just exploding vehicles and structures for the movie. And there's a certain kind of uh, excitement in that when you're watching it because it's just, it's great. It's great and it's over the top in all the right ways. And I just, I just want more of it. So I'd recommend it for all those reasons. And they certainly were the last action hero. Drop the the. It's cleaner. <laughs> and he certainly was last action hero. There you go. So uh, that is our review. Let us know what you remember about last action hero on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. And uh, let us know. Actually, I think this would be a really fun question to answer. Uh, if you were to be transported to any movie genre just like in Last Action Hero, what would you, or what genre would you like to be transported to? I'll ask you this question, Grayson. Mm -hmm. 
Where do you want to go? Is time travel a genre? It is. Then <laughs> that. If I had to do a specific movie, it would be Back to the Future. I would I would go into the Back to the Future franchise. And I feel like from there, they could splinter off. Because when he goes into the Jack Slater universe, he kind of enters just like all cop action movie yes. uh, universes. So it, it would be that kind of like buddy comedy sci-fi-ish uh, kind of world. So, yeah, I, I would want to travel to that world. Yeah, I, I've thought about this scenario before, uh, unsurprisingly, and part of me knows that a lot of my interest deals with people dying a lot. Uh, so I, I think evidence? maybe... Evidence? <laughs> Uh, so I, I just think that the genre I would probably want is like an animated movie or just specifically, uh, the Ninja Turtles movie. Cause I just want to eat pizza with the Ninja Turtles and yeah, then, true. you know, that's, uh, I just live in the credits after that. <laughs> uh, and it would mean a great deal to us. Uh, if you could leave us a review, yes, you listening right now. Please leave us a review on a scale of one to five action heroes, one being the last one, uh, which in theory could be good, but five last action heroes, I think that's better. On like a scale of one to five sequels, where it's like the first oh, one really, yeah. you know, they were they were testing out, didn't really hit it in the first one. The second one, okay, this time it's personal. The third one, we can sell box sets. The fourth one, I'm a fan. And then the fifth one, we really hit our stride because it's Empire Strikes Back. Like, one to five. Very good. Very good. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far away, the greatest spacecraft in the world was a Winnebago. That's right, we are reviewing the 1987 movie Spaceballs, starring that rugged, no-good, uh, loner himself, Bill Pullman. Mm. That guy certainly knows how to deal with aliens. <laughs> he certainly has a genre. And we certainly have a preemptive headcanon. <laughs>